Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Nick Pollock, coming at you from a slightly different vantage point. I'm giving I'm giving a run to a uh, stand-in podcasting. Not sure how I feel about it already, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, here to join me tonight on my, you know, my new venture here in podcasting is my co-host Bill DeFilippo. Bill, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. I'm also going to try standing podcasting, although I have nothing to put my stuff on, so everyone's just going to be looking at my stomach the entire. <laughs> I can imagine no such better picture to watch while I'm listening to my Penn State uh, information. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I, you know what? After five seconds of trying that, that sucks. Uh, but yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Wonderful. Well, Bill, first of all, uh, apologies to listeners. I know it's been a bit since we've been on here. You know, off season things come up. Uh, we'll try to aim for at least one podcast every two weeks or so, but uh, we'll try to be more consistent than that going forward. Um, and if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you do so on the platform podcast platform of choice um, or YouTube. If you're watching us there, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave us a review as well. But Bill, we are here tonight to discuss some uh, overdue news for us. Uh, I know this is not new news for anyone else who follows Penn State, but it's something we haven't talked about yet. And that is the hiring of new receivers coach Marcus Hagens, who arguably has the coolest, you know, familial slash uh friendship connection of any Penn State coach. Yeah. I, I mean he's friends with he's closer friends with Alan Iverson. It's very uh I, I think as a general uh rule of thumb the coolest thing you could be is affiliated with Allen Iverson. Uh, but yeah, like it stems from Hagen's background. He's from Newport news, Virginia, same neck of the woods, obviously as Iverson. And, uh, Nick, he comes to Penn state. You know, he's a lot like Anthony Poindexter where he has UVA in his blood. That is a near dear, all that to his heart. And, uh, decided that coming to happy Valley is the best thing for him. And like, Look at his history. I know you have it. Uh, I know you have it laid out. And you're going to run through it, but like, it it seems to me like it would have taken a really special opportunity for him to want to leave UBA, considering all his history there. And you know, kudos to Penn State, kudos to James Franklin. They 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 gave him the thing that would make him want to leave his alma mater, which is not always an easy thing to convince a person. Yeah, like you alluded to, like it it's it goes beyond even. Uh, having been born in Virginia and coached at UVA, yeah. like this man is Virginia. He was born in Newport News, which for those of you who don't know, just a hop across the bridge from Virginia Beach, which is an area that's had a lot of you know really high end recruits that Penn State has been involved with over the last um, since Franklin got here, pretty much. Um, but to my knowledge, only maybe only I'm not even sure if they've landed maybe one or two of them, but there, there have been some top names there. They have not been able to get involved with. So perhaps and in there, yeah. um, he also went to graduate from Hampton high school in Hampton, Virginia, which will side note, if you've ever played NCAA basketball, 2009, the one with Kevin love on the cover for whatever reason in that game, if you play as Hampton, they don't miss shots. It's ridiculous. My roommate and I, um, junior year of college would play all the time and I could not beat him when he played as Hampton. It was absolutely absurd kick his ass brian <laughs> um hagan's then of course went on to play at uva i i learned something today he actually briefly unseated matt schaub as the starting quarterback which i thought was a little fun fact uh before eventually moving to receiver um and then after a brief career in the nfl he came back to uva he was a grad assistant for 2011 2012 and then he's been their wide receivers coach from 2013 until you know a couple weeks ago so 
I mean, Marcus Haggins, like yeah. he he is Virginia. Like that's that's what he is. And it's crazy. Yeah, it, kind of crazy that he's here now. And, and one thing that, you know, Nick, I think one thing we're going to mention throughout the pod is that neither of us are experts on wide receiver play. Neither of us are experts on uh, what he's going to bring. You know, we watch a little bit of UVAC, this, this, this. We're not going to know exactly what he is going to bring to Penn State as a football coach yeah. until we're a month, month and a half into the season, until uh, we start seeing the kinds of guys he gets on the recruiting trail, that kind of thing. But the one thing that we know about him right now is what people say about him. And right after he got hired, one of the first, like, I, you know, you're excited for any new uh, coaching hire that comes in. Penn State hired him on January 23rd. He changed his profile picture to him in Penn State gear at 11.02 a.m. <laughs> at 11.44 a.m. So pretty quickly after he got hired, uh, former Philadelphia Eagles defensive lineman Chris Long hopped on the Twitter machine and tweeted the following. A leader of young men and a great coach, he has made Charlottesville, vet Charlottesville better for a long time. I know Happy Valley will appreciate what he brings on and off the field. I'll miss my bro, but what a great career move. Love you and congrats. And the one thing we can know about a person is what the people who know them say about him. And that sentiment by Chris Long you know, you saw other people affiliated with Virginia football share a very similar sentiment. And again, we'll see what he is as a recruiter. We'll see what he is as a guy who's able to teach uh, teach guys how to take the natural talent they have and uh, put it on the field. Two things that, you know, if we're going to be really critical of the Taylor Stubblefield era, we didn't see a ton of that in either, you know, in either way out of Penn State's wide receiver room. But what we do know is that this guy is someone who has the respect of his peers and who is beloved by those who know him. And, you know, that's the kind of guy you just want in your football program, especially if it's a kind of guy who is making a move like this, this big of a career move after never coaching anywhere else and being so deeply ingrained in the in uh, in the community from which he comes. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just a you know, pretty much universally praised hire here yeah. for James Franklin. Um, I know the one that really stood out to me was the from uh, 247 Sports is Brian Doan. Uh, he does a good amount of Penn State uh, recruiting coverage, but he also, you know, covers basically the entire uh, Atlantic region more or less. So if anybody's going to know who is a possible position coach move that can make a big impact on this area of the country as far as recruiting goes, it's yeah. Brian Doan. And he was incredibly effusive about, um, how great of a move this was for Penn State, really from the second it happened. So um, that's that's as good of a source as you're going to find for this kind of topic, as as far as my, as far as I'm yeah. thinking. And 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 if I may, like uh, our pal Daniel Gallen over twenty four seven wrote a piece after uh, Hagen's first press conference, and in this piece he talked a lot about relationships. And Caden Saunders quoted as saying, "We're already becoming closer as a group, and getting closer with him and his family as well." Anthony Ivey was quoted as saying, when he came in here, we had our one-on-one -on -one meeting. He opened up uh, he opened up a lot about his background and other things, so I appreciate that. Uh, according to Daniel, Amari Evans said Hagan's reached out to him once during the recruiting process at Virginia, but shortly before uh, Evans committed to Penn State, they already had a little bit of a relationship, but not a huge one or anything like that. And 
you see that he is already getting the respect of his player. He, you know, he knew a guy like Evans a tiny bit, but he's already starting to get the respect of his players. The stuff, the early return stuff, the stuff that we can say about his tenure three weeks into it is everything seems to be going great. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic or a smartass or anything like that. All we know is what we know and what we know as of right now, that it is universally respected by former teammates, uh, by people who know him professionally and by his players. What else can you ask than that? Yeah. And you know, with any new coach coming in, like there's going to be some degree of that, right? Because like mm-hmm. this is all they can do right now is, you know, reach out to guys, talk to them, but you, you can tell the difference in how yeah. these quotes come out. Like it's, and, and from everything we've heard about Higgins is too, it like, relationships like that's that's his bread and butter is building relationships with his players and with the kids that he's recruiting like this screams to me like a guy that's going to reap benefits on the recruiting trail because of the um relationships he's built with the high school coaches in virginia and the greater dmv area at large and and really all over it's not like virginia is only recruiting virginia kids after all so um really just seems like a just a fantastic hire from top to bottom for penn state um not the one that i mean uh, certainly nobody saw this coming it sounds like um i think if you had asked anyone who even knew hagan's name beforehand which for most penn state fans was probably very few um but really had the look of somebody who could have Uh stayed at virginia forever i mean he already had to this point i mean we didn't even mention he actually played under anthony poindexter when he was a player at uva and um his son i believe his son's middle name is dex after coach point extra yeah. which is pretty amazing <laughs> yeah and you know we'll, we'll I, I think we can look forward ish to this and just talk about uh the immediate way that he can impact penn state's why not even impact penn state's wide receiver's room in impact penn state's roster and that is he's coming in he's immediately going to start penn state has already started its winter uh practices but recruiting from the second that you get on campus is going to be important and it's an area a very talent rich area nick i know you could probably speak to this a lot better than i can as uh our uh former recruiting guy but the dmv is one of the most talent rich areas in all of college football yeah. there is a reason that when you look up and down the programs that spend a lot of time in the dmv it's not maryland virginia tech and virginia it is alabama ohio state michigan all the SEC schools, all the ACC schools, Penn State's in there. And I think that this hire, uh, especially when, with all uh, with all due respect to Taylor Stubblefield, he was never viewed as a guy who was going to go out and kill it on the recruiting trail. It was never viewed as really his sort of thing. So I think this is a side that James Franklin wants to double down on recruiting in that area. We already have a really strong guy in Anthony Poindexter a guy who knows that area, and it's worth mentioning, last recruiting class in the state of Virginia, the number one recruit, Alex Birchmeyer, Penn State, number two, Tony Rojas, Penn State, number six, Kavion Keys, Penn State, eight, Carmelo Taylor, nine, Anthony Donko, 10, Matthias Barnwell. They are guys that go to Penn State. This is an area that James Franklin understands you need to be able to recruit in, Nick. And it seems to me, again, with this higher James Franklin has went out and said, we already have a really strong presence in Virginia. Let's go out there and get yet another person who could push us either even further into dominating that area. And like he said before, that 500 
uh, mile radius around State College. Virginia is right in there. This is this goes right into kind of the overall recruiting philosophy of James Franklin. Yeah, and I'm glad you specifically mentioned the other schools that you know typically come into the DMV um, because yeah, it's the DMV isn't important to Penn State recruiting just because of its proximity to Pennsylvania. It's it's important mm-hmm. because it produces and just a ton of talent and. You you know, you're Penn State. You're going to be able to win battles with some regularity in there, regardless of who is in those uh, position coach roles, just because of who you are and the proximity to home and all that stuff. But if you can dominate that region, especially if you're you know doing that by taking guys away from the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Georgias, that is massive both in terms of who you're getting and who you're not allowing to go to the schools that you really, you you're striving to see yourself as competing against. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. I love that point about how it's, it's wanting to take that step from knowing you can do well in the DMV to moving closer to wanting to dominate the DMV. And it's not right. Like, that's not to say that like Penn state's going to all of a sudden start getting, any kid they want from the DMV area or because that's just not true of anything. They can't get any kid they want from Pennsylvania, like no strings. Like there are always, always uh, extenuating circumstances that um, color any recruitment, but it definitely puts them in a better position to get the marquee talents from these regional areas that Penn State just has to be a major force in. Yeah. And we don't totally know what he is as a recruiter. And right. it's worth mentioning that because UVA is a really hard school to recruit at. It is an excellent, excellent school. Uh, it's one that they care about football, but they're not all in on football like a lot of other places are. We don't yeah. know kind of the things he's pushing up against. I, I'm looking at, at his uh, 24-7 page and the committee that he's landed. Uh, got a four-star receiver to go uh, named Dakota Twitty from North Carolina is the highest rated uh, wide receiver recruit that UVA has ever gotten. He was number 309 player in the class of 2022. So now you have to hope that he is able to take what, you know, kind of whatever ability he's built up to get kids to a school like Virginia and start to apply at the Penn State. And you see his understanding of how important relationships are and how kind of big that is to getting a kid comfortable committing to your school that's a good start again you will have to figure things out as they go along you look in the uh state of virginia in the class of 2022 two of its six top six recruits uh keelan adams and chance wiggins are four star wide receivers hopefully helps with that hopefully helps with other kids uh who might not who are from the area or might be a wide receiver recruit who isn't from the area uh just a lot of unknowns right now, but it's in those unknowns uh, on the recruiting trail that this is an exciting hire. And then, Nick, uh, you have to hope that some of the production that his guys have had under him in college are things that, okay, you're doing that with a two-star, a three-star, uh, you know, a low four-star, whatever that might be. Hopefully now you can come to a place like Penn State and say, the things that I have learned on how to get the best out of a kid, I'm now going to apply them to kids with more talent. And, you know, uh, knock on wood, they end up paying off in the long term. Yeah. And, you know, if we, like you said, like I totally agree. We don't, we don't know exactly what he's going to yes. be as a recruiter at Penn State. We don't know what he's going to be as a teacher. But 
and, and it's easy to say like he stuck around at UVA so long because he's a UVA guy through and through. Those recruiting relationships are important. But mm-hmm. he also stuck around under three different head coaches. So three different head coaches looked at what yeah. he did and what he was doing and decided, yeah, I need to keep you here. Um, in a role that a wide receiver coach, like that is not typically the kind of role that you would expect necessarily a new coach to keep the incumbent guy on because it is such a, uh, especially now in college football, like it, it is, you need to be able to recruit at that spot because yeah. wide receiver talent runs the day right now in college football. It's probably the, I don't know. I mean, just look at, look at what Ohio state does with the way they, I, the way that they are getting receivers and the way they are churning them into NFL talents is like, that is that's college football right now. Um, I live in Columbus brother, <laughs> but looking to move. Although I, I guess you, I don't know if where you're moving is still Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm staying local. Okay. Okay. Um, well, that's good. It's good. It's good to have someone on the inside. I think. Um, yes. Yeah. So, uh, and to your point about the relationship, like obviously, we know him, and we know that he, um, we know that he can build those relationships in Virginia. But being able to build relationships with people is not a you know a regional specific skill, right? Like if you understand how to build relationships, you can build relationships with most anyone. So it's not like Penn State is bringing him only for those specific existing relationships. James Franklin is trusting him to go out wherever he sends him and be able to connect with people, um, whether it's coaches or kids or whoever, um, and, you know, build something that lasts and hopefully leads to some great new uh, commitments to come in for Penn State and hopefully can lead to some great teaching. And I I love what you said about um, what he can do, you know, it's, it's the whole thing when you take a coach from a smaller school up to a bit, well, not smaller, but a lower level of competition up to a higher level of competition. And it's really similar to what we were talking about with Phil Troutwine just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like we were looking at what he did at Boston College and saying, wow, well, if he's pumping out what? I think he was four out of the five starters on his last offensive line earned all ACC at one point. And we're saying if he can do that with the kids that BC is recruiting, well, what's it going to do with the kids that Penn State's recruiting? And yeah, it took a couple of years. Offensive line is a bit different, but now we're seeing the rewards of giving a guy that you know what he can do with lesser talent. Let's see if he can level it up with you know greater talent. And honestly, I I think we can expect to see a lot of the same for Higgins. Yeah, and this is where Nick, we're going to get to the part where we talk about what the guys do as a coach and what we know about him as a coach and what we know is one, what you mentioned. And two, I said before we started recording that in my looking stuff up for this, I saw a stat that really surprised me. Uh, The university of Virginia is not exactly known as a place where you go. If you want to get to the NFL right now, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 16 former UVA guys who are currently in the NFL. 16 who are currently in the NFL. Honestly, it's it's probably kind of more more than I would have guessed, really. Yep. Three of them were Sean Henry, Joe Reed, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus are wide receivers. Reed and Woods, uh, apologies, Henry and Reed are uh, futures guys with the Chicago Bears and the Atlanta Falcons. Zacchaeus is a nice player for the Atlanta Falcons. Three wide receivers in the NFL is the exact same number of wide receivers that Penn State currently has in the NFL between Dan Chisena, Jahan Dotson, and Allen Robinson. So, Whoa, we know what, this what guy, about Chris Godwin? 
And Chris Collins. So four apologies. This guy knows how to send kids to the NFL and he knows how to send kids to the NFL from a school that is not good at necessarily good at producing pros. He knows how to take the talent that he is given. You look at them as recruits. Henry started at St. Francis as a zero star recruit. Reed was the number 126 wide receiver in his class. Zacchaeus came in as an athlete by his uh, composite rating. He was the number 813 player in the country. Reed was the number 670 player in the country. They went to UVA. They played under Marcus Hagans, and they got to the NFL. Zacchaeus, in particular, was an outstanding player. 250 receptions, 2,753 yards, 22 touchdowns uh, during his time in college. This is the one thing that we can say about him, no doubt, right now, Nick. And it is that he has a track record of getting talent out of kids, of helping develop kids and turn them into the guys who can go to the NFL. And you look through Penn State's current wide receiver. I'm not going to sit here uh, and say it's like filled to the brim. You know, it's not Ohio State. It is not Ohio State's wide receiver room. And that is okay. Mm -hmm. There is still talent here. There is a good amount of talent here. It's a lot of three, high three, low to mid four, and then, you know, like a guy like Caden Saunders in there. Talent. And now they have a guy. I think you would agree with me that last year's wide receiver room seemed like a bit of a disappointment in terms of being able to get production out of the guys who weren't known commodities. Mm -hmm. Now they have a guy who is coming in and knows how to do that, and I don't know how you can't be excited about that kind of thing. Yeah, it's for where the Penn State receiver room is at right now, and especially when you consider uh, new faces filtering into, they're expected to play important roles. It's really, if you're going to make a change at the position coach for that position, it's a great time to do it because it's, yeah, there's guys that have been here, but it's it's kind of a pseudo fresh start for everyone. You're losing the top two guys from the room last year. Um, it's, It's kind of like a reset in a lot of ways. Um, so it does seem like great timing to do that. Um, Bill, before we go any further, I want to briefly talk about home field apparel. Who? Yep. Um, yeah, uh, you know, home field apparel, you know, they, they make, uh, some t-shirts, sweatshirts, some joggers here and there, you know, yeah. do you have any other joggers actually? Uh, I got a pair of the St. Peter's joggers mm-hmm. when, uh, St. Peter's made it to the elite eight last year and they are fantastic. I've, I've, I need a new pair of joggers. I was looking at those the other day. I need to figure out which ones I want though. Real good. Yeah, yeah. I, I was also looking at, I realized there, there's a severe lack of crewnecks in my wardrobe right now. And uh, my wife has the Penn State one. And even just when I take it out of the washer, it's, boy, it's real comfy. It's so very I, soft. I, I yes. might have to pull the trigger on that. Um, but if you're listening to this, you know Homefield Apparel. You know the time they spend um, digging through yearbooks and old material to find unique designs that resonate with you as a fan of your school, stuff that you won't find anywhere else. You know how incredibly comfortable their stuff is. You've worn it before. The t-shirts, cotton soft, much like uh, those of the now defunct Roar Lines Roar Store. Um, you know the crewnecks. You heard about the joggers here from Bill. They just make wonderful stuff. They're wonderful people. We love working with them. They're great partners for the podcast. And uh, you know, if you happen to be one of those very strange people out there who is a Penn State fan and also a fan of another school in the Big Ten, I you don't totally make sense to me. But you know, Homefield did just drop a whole bunch of new apparel for uh, who was it? Michigan, um, Ohio State. 
I don't acknowledge other schools. <laughs> but they did drop a whole bunch of new gear for other schools, if you are so inclined to look for that. But they do have some wonderful Penn State gear as well that is well worth your time checking out. And if you have never bought from Home Field before, you are in luck because if you use the code ROARLINES, ROAR, all caps, all one word at checkout, you can get 15% off of that first order. And that ends up being pretty significant because once you start putting stuff into that card on Home Field, once you just start clicking around, you're not going to stop putting stuff in that. That cart and that 15% is going to end up being uh, quite a hefty chunk off of your final not bill. Not cheap. Not cheap. Not cheap. Um, but well worth it. It's well worth it. Um, yeah, so but we're, we're, we're here to help with that. Yeah. So if you have not before, go ahead and visit Homefield. For the first time, use that code 15%. Or use that code. Use that code Roarlines Roar, all one word, for 15% off of your first order. Check out the Penn State stuff and everything else they have in stock. It's well worth your time. Bill, you alluded to this uh, just a few minutes ago about a conversation we're going to get more into now, um, and we're going to move away from Marcus Hagen specifically here. And I just want to spend a little time talking about you know position coaches in general because we talk a lot about um, you know when when hirings happen, when firings happen. We talk a lot about them you know in in terms of recruiting and stuff like that. But I think it's a fair question to ask you know in general like how much do they really affect kind of the day-to-day around any given program? Like we see guys like Brian Hartline at Ohio state uh, or Terry Smith here at Penn state um, or, you know, um, Oh my goodness. I'm totally blank. Elijah Robinson down at Texas A&M, like guys who seem to be a cut above the rest when it comes to recruiting and development. But, you know, in a general sense, like, do, do you think that we, maybe sometimes overrate the impact that these guys have to a certain degree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And I mean that from this perspective. I think it's really easy to blame coaches for things. Hmm. And what I mean by that is it's really easy when, uh, you know, Sean Clifford holds on to the ball a little bit too long and gets sacked to say this is Phil Troutline's fault for, you know, calling the let Sean get sacked protection. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy uh, to say that, you know, when the defensive line isn't getting home nearly as much as you want, it's on John Scott or, you know, not saying to them, all right, fellas, let's get a sack on this. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. I, I think it's very easy to blame that. And a part of this, I think, comes from a good place. I think part of this comes from the fact that we all know these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who are doing this for our enjoyment, and mm. we don't want to put too terribly much on them. And there's also the fact that like, it's it, it, it's really hard to be able to get into the details of why a kid did not did not do something other than, oh, well, yeah. So to that end, yes, I think we overrate it. The stuff that I think we can... The, the stuff, the ways I think it's important are, you know, you mentioned Brian Hartline at Ohio State. Brian Hartline does two things at an elite level. And it's stuff that, uh, you know, looking at Penn State's at Phil Troutline is starting to do both of these at an elite level. Uh, you look at a guy like Terry Smith does this at an elite level. Anthony Poindexter does this at an elite level. You go back to a guy like Josh Gaddis when he was Penn State's wide receivers coach, did this at an elite level. And it's one recruit. Go out there, build up the relationships with kids, convince kids that your vision for what 
they get at your university is the best thing. So that's number one. And number two is we're in February right now. From the moment that the final game of the season ends to the moment that the next game of this or the first game of the next season begins, how are you teaching? How are you motivating? How are you instructing? How are you doing all these things? If you can do that, and Brian Hartline's a good example. Brian Hartline recruits like a maniac and is great at teaching the finer details of playing wide receiver to Ohio State's receivers. You watch Ohio State's offense, their wide receivers are excellent at everything. You watch when Josh Gaddis was here, Penn State's wide receivers coach, Penn State's wide receivers were unbelievable technicians to go along with the physical traits and the attributes they have. You look at a guy uh, right now like Olu Fashanu, a left tackle, not the not this incredible recruit, but he is so good. His technique as a left tackle is so good that six starts into his NF in his uh, college career, he was getting mentioned as a top five NFL draft guy. Those are the ways, Nick, I think it's important. And I think that you look at a guy like Marcus Higgins and you hope that he can take that second thing, which he has had to learn to do and had to do to get the most out of kids at UVA, and combine it with that first thing, which is his ability to recruit and build relationships and convince kids to come to a school that has the ability to win a national title. And you potentially have this really great thing, whether, again, whether that's him or whether it's anyone else on Penn State staff. Yeah, I, I think for me, when I think about position coaches, um, you know, and honestly, and I can relate to it a little bit as a, you know, a pitching coach for a high school baseball team. So I, you know, it's not, it's not nearly the same, but it's a, you know, similar ish field. Um, for me, and this is the reason that I'm excited about the Hagans hire to go back to him is everything comes down to relationships. Like it's not just recruiting like relationships obviously are important in recruiting but the thing is like none of these guys have gotten to this point in their coaching careers without having the some sort of ability to coach and teach yes like they they all have some amount of that ability to say hey when you're running a post route if you do this instead of this it's going to make it more effective they all have degrees of that certainly some are better than others but they yeah. all have that innate ability the thing that not every you know not every human being has is the ability to develop relationships and especially when we're talking about college kids who you know there's a good degree of this for a lot of these kids in high school because they're high profile you know, you know recruits but once they get into college like they're not they're not kids. They're not treated as kids. They're treated as yeah. celebrities. Like other kids on campus don't see them the same. We're watch we're watching them play football from our homes. Like we're watching like 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds play football. Like it's not we're not watching kids solve differential equations yeah. from our couches. Like it's it, they are different. They're in different situations and they have so much put on their plates that they need to be able to handle um, mentally and just emotionally. And if they can have, and obviously they all are going to have relationships with people in that football building. They're all going to have some sort of a relationship with James Franklin and the trainers and some of the other people. But for most of them, like their position coach is their go-to for basically everything. 
And if they can't, if they don't feel like they are comfortable with that person, whoever it may be, nothing else that follows is going to be quite as impactful. If you don't have a relationship with the guy teaching you and coaching you, you're you know not going to take what they say to heart as much. But more importantly, you're not going to want to perform right. for them. And that that's I don't want to make it seem like I think kids are their goal is to perform for their coaches. It's not. Their goal is to perform for the team and for themselves. But when you have trust in your point person in the building, it just allows for everything else to happen. It allows you to be comfortable in making mistakes. It allows you to be comfortable in learning and growing. It allows you to you don't feel like you can go to them when you have issues, all that stuff that's just so important that we don't really talk about. We talk, we remind, I think we were, we do a pretty good job reminding our listeners that, you know, they're college kids, they're college kids. Yeah. Take it easy. But I don't think we always internalize, you know, much about as much about what that means. And like, think about ourselves as college kids. Like we were not fully yeah. formed adults. We were not yeah, I, ready I, to be. I, I, I knew Nick in college. He was an idiot. <laughs> we were we were not ready. We still needed those those people to latch on to yeah. and those people to yeah. have trust in and be able to go to with anything. So mm-hmm. like for me, like relationships are everything. And 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 I, I just want to interject. You made a really good point, Nick. Like it's not like James Franklin is walking up to the defensive line and is saying, young men, this is how hand fighting works. Or yeah. it's not like He's walking up uh, to the wide receivers and saying, all right, this is how I want you to run a sluggo in this offense. Like, these, which Franklin has a very important role in this ecosystem. Franklin is making sure everything works in this ecosystem. But when it comes to the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty, that sort of thing, that is on position coaches. When you see uh, the offensive line coaches, uh, the offensive linemen, are all going to the field and having a who can eat the most burgers competition or whatever uh, the offensive linemen do. You know, Franklin has other things going on, but every time Phil Trowline's there with him. Yep. Or if you see the defensive linemen are having, you know, they have a bowling night somewhere. John Scott is there with them. That is, you know, Franklin has done a much better job from when he first got here of saying, all right, head coach of the offense, head coach of the defense, deputize people below you to work with these kids and that is like you mentioned Nick, I and mean, you you know this a little bit better as someone who does some coaching in your uh you know in your non-podcasting career but <laughs> my guess is the coach of your baseball team is not going up to the pitchers and saying here is how i want you gripping a slider here is how i want your pickoff moves looking Maybe he'll come over and give a pointer or two on that. But when it comes to actually teaching and hammering that stuff home, that is your job before anyone else's. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. They there's too much too much else to do right. to be able. And, and I have no doubt that Franklin wishes he could be that everything for every single player, but it's just not feasible. So you have to have guys that you trust in positions to be that everything for the guys when you can't be there. Yeah, it's and one thing I think we need to give James Franklin a lot of credit for is he has hired guys who he thinks are excellent fits. You know, this pure coach speak, pure takesman speech, whatever. He has done an excellent job finding guys who he thinks fits that. 
who fit in that part of the culture that he is trying to build here at Penn State. The guys who are going to do the best job possible taking that on. And, and this is a really important thing, when he thinks that's not working for one reason or another, he's not afraid to say, we need something new. And it's very easy to call from, uh, you know, my sofa right over there where my dog is currently sleeping, where I'm about to go watch professional wrestling after. It's very easy for me behind a Twitter account or on a podcast to say, this person needs to go without considering everything else that goes into that, both from the sheer football perspective of how he's doing his job, where in his processes, all of that, and what it means for his relationships with his players, with his other coaches, with his family, all these sorts of things. That's different from James Franklin seeing these sorts of things. And Franklin has been, I think, very good and very proactive at understanding this isn't working. We need to get someone who is more in line with what we need our program to be and what our program demands right now. And we still we we don't know why Taylor Stubblefield is no longer with Penn State. We can guess all we like, but if he's gone, it is because I would presume Penn State needed James Frank. James Franklin thought Penn State needed to do something, get something new in, and act quickly to get a guy who is the perfect fit for the culture he is trying to foster. And, you know, again, knock on wood, hopefully you did. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> you know, Bill, this has been an awesome conversation. I actually, I want to put a pin in this and come back to this at some point, because this would be a fun thing to continue talking about. Um, but in hopes of, you know, having more, more of this to talk about in later days, I think that's, I think we're good on tonight for tonight's podcast. I think we can put a pin in this one. Um, Anything, anything, any last things to say before I go through the spiel here? No, other other than I'm going to watch for professional wrestling. All right, yes, I, I would love for you to go be able to foster the relationship with Jersey as you guys watch professional wrestling wrestling together. So Dude, he's been, he has been so stupid. Like, I don't know. We're, we're all right. We're at the end of the pod. I get to vent about something. My dog has been a stage five clinger mm. for some reason over the last week in a way that he has never been like. Do you, do you ever get it with Blitz where, like, you get up to go to the bathroom and he chases you to the bathroom and just stands outside of it while you're, like, brushing your teeth or something? Occasionally. Typically only when he knows it's time for a meal or he wants to go. He's right next to me, so I can't say the word. When he wants to go for a W or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, this is this is just what life is now. I, I need to get it back into daycare. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best with unclinging jersey to a reasonable degree. like we don't want to un yes. uncling yes, completely yes, yes. but yes. um yeah this is a great episode thanks everyone for listening if you have not had a chance to subscribe and leave us a review on um apple or spotify wherever you listen please go ahead and do so that'd be greatly appreciated and if you could also uh subscribe and hit the alert bell on the channel on youtube also greatly appreciated we always get some fun comments from opposing fans in there hopefully we got some virginia ones on this one i'll tag virginia in it, so hopefully we'll get some uh you know first-hand accounts of what former fans saw under uh, Marcus Haggins down there. Um, so, you know, once again, thanks for listening. This is a lot of fun. We'll be back hopefully within the next week, definitely within the next two. But for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I'm Nick Pollock. Thanks for listening. Go State.